Hello and welcome to another edition of Messi and Co. here on Five Reason Sports. I am your host, Austin Robillard, and today, of course, joined by our other great hosts here on the English side, Gian and Ashley. Welcome, guys. Wow, do we have so much to talk about. It's been a while since I've been on an English episode. Everybody on, on Messi and Co. through my vacation was doing an amazing job. All of the content every single day. Um, it's been outstanding and there's just been so much to follow. It's been not hard to keep up with, but like it is just every day, every second, there's something going on with Lionel Messi and Inter Miami. And we are blessed to have it happening here in South Florida. Uh, guys, how are you doing? How is your you know initial feelings after Miami's couple of League Cup games so far? Gian, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm I'm very happy. I, I feel like uh, everything that I expected to happen has happened and more. I you know I I expected this team to improve and it's done that and it surpassed my expectations. And just watching this team have fun, watching the players be confident, and watching all the magic that comes from Messi, the fans having a blast. It's just it's just a, a great moment, and I, I really just can't wait to talk about it today and and excited for what's to come. Ashley, has it like met your level of expectation? Like, I know we talked so much, you know, we had about a month from when we started Messi and co up until when he finally debuted everything that we talked about in that month on the multiple episodes to where we are right now, is this kind of going as you expected or has it exceeded that? Honestly, I exceeded. I, um, I've luckily been to two of the three games in person um, with Messi and, I like I see the goals happening in front of me. I see the one touch passing and the the elevated level of play. I see that there's not an empty seat in the house. I see all of the branding and the you know the fireworks, the spectacle. I'm seeing it in person and it's still like shocking me. Like I just it's really been it's been amazing so far and I I can't wait to see how it continues to evolve and grow. Yeah, it, it's been evolving and growing very, very rapidly. That's for sure. All of South Florida sports is kind of, this is the focal point now. Whether the Marlins are doing good, the, the Heat had the draft a couple of you know weeks ago, going into the Dolphins preseason and the Miami Hurricanes preseason camp. Like It's still, Messi is the focus in South Florida. Soccer is the focus in South Florida. The local club is the focus in South Florida. And that's never happened before. And I think it's going to stay like this for quite some time, given the excitement that he brings and the attention that he absolutely deserves to be having. Um, it's just been insane. So, so with all of that said, let's get right into the last match round of 32 inter Miami made it to the knockout stages after beating Cruz Azul and Atlanta United in their group. And somehow, some way got, you know, a home match against Orlando in the first, in the first knockout match, which is, you know, it's funny the way that it was set up because obviously everything was set up beforehand before Messi joined. And this was actually the only two, I think this was the only matchup where both winners of the groups would actually face off against each other. It was a little weird because you had Pachuca and LAFC having to go against second place teams. So at one point, two first place teams in the groups would have to go against each other. It just so happened that it ended up being uh, Miami and Orlando after Orlando, I think had a last minute winner against Santos Laguna in their final group stage match. So it just seemed like all the cards were aligned. All the stars were aligned and, and Messi in a derby was set to happen earlier than expected and not even in Orlando, which is something that, you know, it's great to have them here down have the match down in here. Drive pink, um, man, what, what a game it was. What a, what a game it was. What a rivalry it was. It, it lived up to the hype. Uh, what, what, you know, from, from what we saw 
in this game, Gian. Messi getting into it. Messi putting the pressure on the Orlando players. The Orlando players retaliating. It was a it was a high intensity matchup. Did you expect Messi to get so feisty early on in in North America? Like I, I don't think that I don't know if I was I was expecting that. I definitely wasn't expecting that, but I, I just. I just want to give props to whoever explained the the Orlando Miami rivalry to Messi before the game started because whoever did that did an amazing job because he went in there like vicious from the yeah. start. He was man like he's he's known to be like someone that's more you know like calm and and easygoing but like from the start he was chirping with everybody he was going into the body he was like clashing so that was exciting to see i was like because look from a soccer standpoint and a soccer like a soccer fan standpoint to me, there's nothing better than like a, a chippy game. Like that is wow, exciting. So once I saw that, I'm like, you know, this is gonna be a really good game. And I will say, it wasn't just Messi. Like they were going in hard at Messi from the beginning. Like he, I, I remember, like at minute three, I think it was Araujo for, um, that went in hard. Like came in on Messi, grabbed him from behind, kicked him a few times. Then like. Five, six minutes later, he he stopped the Messi run by uh, getting in front of him with the body, even extended his elbow. So, like, I think Messi already in, went in there with the intention, like, yeah, this is going to be a hard game. But, I mean, they, they didn't let they, – they pretty much followed up with his expectations because they were going in hard at Messi. I think they were trying to get him out of the game, trying to mess with him mentally. But, man, Messi uh, stepped up to the plate for sure, and, and that was an intense, fun game. And then Araujo ended up scoring like 10, 15 minutes later from all that. So it just heightened yeah. it even more. Um, yeah. Ashley, with what you saw from Messi and, you know, kind of a lot of the stigma around, you know, him coming here would be like, oh, you know, he's going to take a backseat and relax. And it's going to be, you know, a soft time in South Florida and MLS. He's going to dominate the league. It'll be easy. But has Orlando just now set the precedent for Messi that, stuff could get really real really fast like are our teams going to come now and try and put the pressure on this side because there's a target on their back and is Messi going to have to do a lot more physically than he may have realized yeah i i think i agree with gian with you that you you felt minute 1 i was i was saying i was with my mom and i was like it was obviously it rained and it was humid and i the air and the atmosphere was as thick as the humidity like especially I would say from specifically the 35th to the 45th minute, let's just say, but there was the cheering and the chants and everything, but it was silent. Like everyone was so intensely watching. No one was moving, you know, when, when they were close to goals, you got more action. But I, uh, I definitely think that Messi was, was giving, was sort of putting his foot down in his way saying, not only I'm not just here to just be, you know, like the poster child and messy and, you know, everyone just comes and sees me and I, you know, walk around Gonzalo Iguain, I remember had a quote and I'm butchering it, but something saying, you know, I thought I was going to come to MLS and just like walk around and smoke cigarettes and it was going to be easy. And he's, and then it wasn't. And, you know, I don't think, and I think this game showed that Messi was like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be the best anywhere I am. This team is going to be formidable. I think, one thing about Messi is that he really believes in the respect of the game and of, of opponents. You know, he never, he's never really disrespectful to anyone. I remember during the world cup, the comments after the Netherlands match was really one of the first times in 10, 15 years, you actually saw 
messy say things that were, you know, almost, you know, negative or disparaging. He doesn't do it. And so um, when some Orlando City fans had, uh, you know, put the purple on the mural, I think genuinely that's one of those things that he really doesn't like the distastefulness and the disrespect. And I think from that moment, he had a little bit of, you know, uh, on his shoulder, a little chip and was like, no, no, this is this. We're going to do things differently here. And um, it riled up everyone. It riled up the team. It riled up the fans. I think it riled up the MLS community at large, seeing a really good high level, high intensity soccer game. Which is what we've come to expect between Miami and Orlando, those high intensity matches, but not necessarily the same kind of quality that Messi possesses in these matches. I mean, it's it's a whole different, you know, stylistic meaning now with with Inter Miami playing a football football match. Um, and, and before these matches, they were still high intensity. There was the teams were putting pressure on each other. The fans would go at it. I mean, it was it was always a rivalry. But I think right now, especially after which we're going to talk about in just a second, after the officiating and the you know the comments from the coaches and everything that we saw on the field it's not maybe not going to be taken to a new level, but it's going to heighten the level that it was already at. And it's going to be a real rivalry here down the stretch for at least the two and a half years that that Messi will be here. I think their next match is in Orlando, September 24th. And I'm sure a lot of eyes will be on that one in, in Exploria stadium. Um, but yeah, let's, let's dive into what happened on the field, especially from the refereeing standpoint, because this has been a major talking point. This has been something that, has caused a ton of controversy. It's kind of the first time it's actually happened uh, in Messi's first three games where fans of opposing sides and even neutrals have come out and said that Messi is getting unfair treatment and Miami is now getting unfair treatment. Let's just talk about it because I, I think it's important to, to kind of acknowledge the fact that this possibly could be happening consciously or subconsciously. Gian, let's start with the penalty before I get into the yellow cards and everything like that. Was it soft, and did Miami get a little bias from the referee here? I think that I, I know that it's very much open to interpretation, so I, I can't, I, I won't say that you know I'm giving the definitive answer, but I I do think it was a penalty, and I do think we got a favorable call. I, I think that that call could have easily gone either way, um, depending on where the game was played or who the players were in the match, right? In this case, you've got Messi, and I think that Messi and Messi's team is more than not going to get, more times than not going to get the favorable call. And I think that Joseph, part of, you know, unfortunately, and depending on, on who you ask, sometimes part of, well, I would say even in other sports, part of getting fouled is selling the foul itself, right? Just because there's players that are strong enough, like Messi, that can get fouled, and sometimes don't get calls because they don't fall. They, they're, they're, they're that strong to stay up. But on that specific play, I think that Joseph has a position. The defender very softly but does wrap his arm. I, I looked at the play quite a few times. He's able to wrap Joseph's arm. And as soon as Joseph feels the hand on the arm and the slight pull on the arm, yeah, he lets himself fall. I'm sure that Joseph could have kept going. But part of being a professional and being a, more so even his position, being a center forward in the area, you know that you're going to try to sell that foul 10 out of 10 times. And I think that's what he did a good job at. What I thought was weird, and I'll be as unbiased as possible, what I thought was kind of strange is the fact that the VAR wasn't even looked at. I, I will I will coincide with that. Um, usually in that play and in that moment, the referee is going to go look at the VAR. He didn't do it. 
thought that was strange, but I, I do think it was a foul. Soft, maybe. Could he have stayed up? Maybe. But he did a good job of selling it, for sure. So it, it's not – so VAR did come into play. It's just that the referee didn't go and check the monitor. And that's yeah. where Oscar Perea had yeah. the problem. And his, his comments, as you can see below, mm-hmm. uh, if you're watching here on YouTube, very, very, very strongly suggesting that there was some kind of you know bias here at play. And because the referee didn't go to the monitor, but went to the monitor later on in the match to overturn an Orlando goal that would have been meaningless. But again, mm-hmm. he did choose to do that. The consistency wasn't there. Oscar Perea yeah. post-match said that the match was a circus, and that was the kind of the quote that stood out to me, but then said that the game was very competitive until the referees got involved in it. Now, do I think that that's necessarily true? No, because if you look at the numbers, Miami had, I think, 72% possession and outshot uh, Orlando mm-hmm. in the first half, and in the second half, Orlando didn't even have a shot on target. So yeah. I-, I wouldn't say that Orlando were always in this match. I think from the beginning it was competitive and it was rough, but Miami definitely outclassed them. So I don't think that this penalty call would have fully changed the outcome and, and the result. The score was three, one, by the way. Um, but again, I, I do agree with Gian here that, you know, depending on the circumstances and it kind of is rough that this happens in football, depending on the context of the game, where the game's being played, how the game, the flow of the game is going. This, this is a decision that can go either way. Now, Ben Hakromeshki put in a great ball to Joseph and put him through on target. That that yeah. happened. Joseph got past the defender, was in front of the defender and in between the defender and the ball, getting ready to face goal. Any move that the defender makes from body to body is extremely risky. That's just how football goes, especially inside of the 18. So I think that as a defender, you are put in a really tough position, uh, especially there. And any kind of contact that's not made you know, with the intent of winning the ball is very, very dangerous. And again, as Gian said, you he's did a great job. Joseph did a great job at selling the foul. Sure, he might not have needed to fall. Maybe if he took one wrong touch, if he stayed up and went to the outside, probably doesn't score. You don't know what's going to happen. But as a defender, it's a, it's a really tough thing to try and manage. And I think that Joseph played his cards extremely right. And I think that a lot of teams would have taken the opportunity to win that kind of a a call uh, on their home ground as well. So I don't think a hundred percent that it was, you know, the wrong call, but I do think it could have gone either way. Now, Ashley, I want to point to you and talk about this, the yellow cards. Messi ended up getting one. I think it was in the 30 something minute in the first half. And then there were other chippy moments throughout the game where people are saying that Messi could have probably gotten another one. Sergio Busquets had his hands around the neck of, of an Orlando player at one point in the match. Did the referee do enough to like control this match or should there have been more cautions and and more disciplinary actions given out by the ref? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was incredibly inconsistent. I think that the, the initial yellow card on Messi was incredibly harsh. I think he was, Mm -hmm. the referee was trying to maybe set a precedent, but to, to use it on Messi seemed silly. I think you could have easily, you know, done it to, Carlos Arroyo, you could have done it to Busquets, you could have done it to um, uh, Kamal Miller. You know, there was definitely other players who accumulated, I think, more fouls in the beginning that if you wanted to make a stance and say, I know this game will get chippy, I will give out yellow cards, that would probably have been a better player to do it with. Um, Because it's just not realistic to think that you're going to give Messi two yellow cards um, for 
roughhousing in his third game in MLS with the world watching. Like, it's just not. You can say whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't give him to Ronaldo. You wouldn't give him to Mbappe. You wouldn't give it to Neymar. You wouldn't give it to Harry Kane. You wouldn't. And so that's just – it was – people can say what they want, but you wouldn't even do it to Carlos Vela, I would say, if we're talking about MLS players. Um, so I think that it was it was a moot point. And I also think the ref, he was very inconsistent. Um after that yellow card, we didn't start to see more until what, like the 60th, 70th minute, right? You know, it took a 40 minute break of giving the cards if he wanted to be a little bit more consistent. I think maybe people would feel differently. And, you know, just to quickly touch on the penalty, um, I think that because it was given, there was no chance it was going to be overturned. If it was not given, then you could, you could definitely give it a 50-50, but in moments like that, those penalties are sometimes given. They're sometimes not. He was, uh, he was, you know, he was tugged. I was sitting there and I saw him get tugged and his body uh, force was like pulled back a little. Um, and he, he fell and they gave him the penalty. There's no chance it was going to be overturned. They want to go to VAR. I think the VAR said on the headset, I mean, he's pulled, so there's no overturning it. It's if it was closer, maybe, but yeah. So I understand the inconsistencies. I think giving Messi the L card in the beginning of the game, was actually the wrong precedent by the referee. I think if he had given someone else a yellow card, um, literally anyone else, I think he would have actually had more control of the game. And so, um, you know, I think it's it's part of the fun. If people, you want to see Messi, you want to sell out. And like I'll talk about in a little bit, these statistics we have from uh, Apple Plus and we have from Chicago Fire and we have from, you know, LAFC about the amount of revenue they're driving to their games for Messi then you're going to you're going to take the 50-50 calls. I think it's just it's just the world of football. Yeah, I just want to touch on the inconsistency that you mentioned Ashley because, you know, I earlier was talking about the fouls on on Messi. You know, I, I misspoke and it was actually um Cartagena that had those two consecutive fouls, but right. even before that like right at the beginning of the game minute three, Araujo actually went studs up on Busquets to Busquets shin and how is that not a yellow? But then to your point, Ashley, like Messi's, I'm sorry, like that early first foul, first Messi foul, he, he comes in, like it was not like a yellow worthy foul in my opinion. So it was very inconsistent, like in that situation. Yeah, there, there's a lot to unpack from the officiating, but nonetheless, I think that we're all in agreement that Miami were the better side. And after a quick word here from myself talking about our sponsor mosaics uh we'll get into more of the the positive happy stuff uh so give us one second we'll be right back are you ready to transform your space into a masterpiece introducing mosaics your destination for stones and more mosaics is a family-owned business serving the community for over 20 years with the best quality porcelain ceramic tiles and high-end mosaics featuring unique modern designs mosaics has everything you need dedicated customer service wholesale distributors, and a passion for excellence. Make sure you visit mosaics.com today to turn your vision into a reality. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, and that was Mosaics. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. 
Now let's get into the fun stuff, guys. Messi and Robert Taylor, because this has been a story since the Cruz Azul game after Robert Taylor scored a worldy of an opener. It continued into the Atlanta game where they look like the most dynamic transitional duo on the planet. And then again, it happens where a Robert Taylor ball over the top to Messi to open the scoring against uh, Orlando. It's just every single game at this point. And Robert Taylor is looking like the best Inter-Miami tacker that they've ever had bar Lionel Messi. What, what is, what is going on? Is this seriously a duo that's going to continue performing like this for the rest of the season? Is this something that could propel them into the playoffs? Did we think it was going to be Robert Taylor? Like I, I am shocked by this. This guy has been playing wing back. He's played as a number eight. He's played as a number 10. He's played, he's been put as a winger all under Phil Neville and now under Tata Martino alongside Lionel Messi this guy is one of the best out-and-out strikers, or I should just say attackers, on the continent. What is what is going on right now? I, I mean, Ashley, do you want to take this, or I could go? I, I think we're yeah, probably well, both excited. I'll, I'll just I'll say this quickly, and then I'll let you go in more. I uh, it doesn't surprise me as much as it surprises. I think most, and and you definitely know this. I mean, he had a fantastic goal last year. It was one of yeah. the contenders for goal of the season. Robert Taylor has incredible quality. He's had it from the very beginning. He just hasn't had, you know, the system or maybe the other players to to do the to feed him or for him to feed to to see the results. But he he has fantastic quality. And so seeing this and having someone like Messi bring it out, it doesn't surprise me. It makes me very happy. I'm glad we we held on to Robert Taylor. I was worried he was going to be one of the players that got lost with um with the you know the buyouts and the um different types of uh stipulations inter Miami had had to make in order to get the big three. And so um, I'm really happy he stayed because it's the quality. It's fantastic. And when you have a maestro like Messi, you know, not to sound uh, like, um, <laughs> what, was this? what was the name of the, the Scottish? Um, Ray Hudson. Ray Hudson. Thank you. I blanked that. Not to sound like Ray Hudson, but when you have that, it's, um, you know, there's unlimited possibility. Giancio. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that with, you know, with Robert Taylor, I think he's always had it in him. It's just that maybe the game plan wasn't necessarily maybe favoring his style of play. I think a lot of the the different schemes that were being ran before didn't help him out. I mean, you add Messi, not only does that give you confidence, I think, as a player, but it also slows the game down for you and you just see it at a different pace. Like you can tell with Robert Taylor, he just feels so comfortable. He's making a lot of runs that I think he wasn't making in the past because he was not confident in the ball getting to him. Right. So like he, he, number one, now he's got a ton of open space because all the eyes are on Messi. So, and he knows that it's either going to be Messi or it's going to be Busquets or even Kremasi uh, is doing a great job playing 10 sometimes, and he's getting really great through balls. So he's making those runs now knowing, yeah, I'm pretty sure if I make this run, they're going to read it right, and they're going to put the ball exactly where it needs to be. I think that it also helps that now we're actually starting to stack the box. So there's more more defenders are actually being focused on you know, what's going on in the box and actually everybody just focused on, on whoever's running on, you know, whoever's making the run or whoever's coming off of the wings. So that's been very helpful. If we kind of take a look at this first goal, right. With, um, with Robert Taylor, I think that 
teams are starting to notice how good he is as well, just from these past few games that we've seen. They're starting to notice. I know that on that first goal, I was kind of like pausing and seeing what 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 was happening. And I noticed that as soon as he turns in and he cuts into his to the right side before he makes that beautiful pass to Messi, you've got Cartagena and two other defenders literally locked on him. Locked on him. They have they're solely locked on him. They know what he's capable of because he's shown that he can either he can shoot from that range too. So they don't know if he's they're, they're like, okay, do we what are we gonna do? Are we waiting for a pass or is he gonna shoot from there? Um, and then on top of that, I think we had Kremaski, we had Yedlin, we had Joseph all in the box. We've got all the other defenders that are focused on on doing that, so they can't even they don't even step out. And then Messi is starting from outside the box to make that run. And there's a miscommunication there between those two that were marking him and just Taylor makes a perfect read. And I, again, those are those are reads knowing that I, I they're already starting to understand what Messi's gonna do. They know that Messi's gonna make that run. So he's able to make the beautiful read ultimately coming, uh, resulting in a beautiful goal. But yeah, I, I just don't know with Facundo Farias coming in like, I don't know how you take Taylor out, at least not right now. Like, that's that's going to be a really tough decision for Tata to make, for sure. Yeah, and we'll get into, you know, the U22s in just a bit here. But, you know, for, for Robert Taylor, actually, I think that goal that you were speaking about that you said was, like, one of the goals of the year was actually earlier on this year. It was the second match uh, of the season where was Taylor... Was it really? It was the second match of the season, puts it off the chest, on his right foot, cutting inside from yeah. left to right, off the chest, top of the box, and volleys at home. That was this year. So, oh my gosh, it, time doesn't exist it, with Messi. It, honestly, it I don't. I'm total. Yeah, and I mean, the pass that he had this past week was yeah. world class. It was. It really what it actually reminded me of. And if you close my eyes, and or if you only saw like the X's and O's, and you saw that pass, that made me think a lot of a a Harry Kane to Stone ball. Like when mm. they would do it, and Stone has he gets gets a ball over he takes it and he draws the defenders harry goes to the left puts that ball right over that has like that is how much of a world-class passing goal it was and and that's a lot of high praise because I, I do believe harry kane is one of the most underrated passers probably in world football um but f- for robert taylor you know he's been very successful out on the left flank as a left winger out and out cutting inside onto the right is where he's found all of his success with inter Miami. There have, there have, there have been times where he has done well over on the right side. Um, but it, it's, you know, it's been evident that over the last couple of matches playing on the opposite end of Messi and being able to combine in a transitional kind of style offense is where he's succeeding most. And like I said, we'll talk about where Fukunda Farias fits into this because he is also a left winger, but I believe um, you can somebody can check me on this, but I think Tata Martino kind of dropped a little hint about the possibility of him of him playing as a number nine uh, mm-hmm. in his press conference today. So, you know, there's a lot of different options there. Uh, but Robert Taylor, man, I, I am happy for him. He has gone through thick and thin uh, with Inter Miami. Like I said, he's been moved around positionally a ton. He's played as a number eight. He's played as a number ten. He's played as a striker. He's played as a winger, and he's played as a wing back. And that's kind of the the Phil Neville special. Don't get me wrong; he, he he's done that with a lot of players uh, in his time, including Benjamin Kremeski, including Lewis Morgan, Robert Taylor, also. So there's been a lot of different things that Robert Taylor has had to go through, and now for him to be finding success with the best player to ever grace a football pitch is just outstanding. I'm sure that everybody in Finland is rooting for him, and everybody uh, obviously in South Florida is rooting for him too. So. 
are they the best duo on the continent right now? I don't think other than Carlos Vela and De- Dennis Buanga, there's anybody else even touching them. But if they if they didn't just score seven goals uh, against Juarez, then I, I would be saying for sure. But that match for LAFC was insane. Um, hmm. Let's move on to, to more of the attack, though, because we, we do need to talk about Joseph Martinez. He finally gets on the score sheet. Messi gives him the penalty. Ashley, what did you make of that? What did you make of Messi and the type of leadership it took from him to go ahead and say, Joseph, you take it. Yeah, 100%. And I said it exactly in that moment when I was at the stadium that this was, you know, Joseph needs to score. He needs the confidence. And I would say you saw, I think in the first half, he was very quiet. And a lot of times when you have, you know, you have some shorter players um, on the pitch that are non-negotiables. You sometimes, part of me was wondering during the first half a little bit, why are we not seeing Leo out here, Campana, with, you know, to, to kind of, uh, bring some of the height and bring some of that uh, back play. But, you know, the goal makes a huge difference. It brings out, you know, the confidence and the quality in it. And it's exactly what he needed. Um, what's going to happen moving forward? I'm not 100% sure. I think, I don't know. I think Campana deserves another chance to be able to be the starting num- number nine with Messi. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon, but um, it was, it was, incredible leadership I think Messi knows he's going to get unlimited amount of goals I think he also knows that it's part of the onus is on him to bring the quality out and all the rest of the players we just said it about Robert Taylor I think in the last three games you've seen DeAndre Yedlin's quality go way up you know in my opinion at least you're seeing the midfield play go way up and just everyone has a, like a breath off of them. They, they, you know, feel a little bit less of a weight on their shoulders and they're letting their skill set and their, uh, their tactics really shine. So it was incredibly uh, generous and um, I hope it positively impacts Joseph's, you know, play even more so that he impacts the game at even a higher level. So Gian, I mean, what, what's your take on the Campana versus Joseph thing? Where do you think, you know, Tata is leaning I, I I believe personally that I think he's leaning a lot more towards Joseph, given the rapport he's had with him in the time in Atlanta, his connection with Lionel Messi on the field and everything like that. But I mean, Campana has not played well uh, alongside Lionel Messi or anybody that's been on the pitch um, in, in since Messi and Tata have been here. Um, it, has it, has there been enough time to, to say that Joseph is the, the striker for, for Inter Miami going forward? I, I I would tend to agree with you. I think that Tata has kind of chosen Joseph over uh, Campana because of a multitude of reasons that you touched on. One is obviously the history, so he knows a lot about him. It just makes more sense. Just uh, This isn't preseason. There hasn't been a lot of time to, to really get to know the team. So you kind of want to get the ball rolling as soon as you can as a new coach with a bunch of new players. And if you already know how to... You, use Joseph in in a tactical scheme that you you kind of roll with that right because again they've had so much uh, chemistry and so much uh, history and then to the whole messy aspect right away we see that kind of um, coming together on a personal level we see them together all the time on training they, they seem to come out in every picture on social media I don't know how they do that but every picture is them two together uh, this is a, a funny thing that happened but we saw on um, we saw I don't know if you, I forgot what game it was, but like um, he was sitting with Messi. My, uh, Joseph was sitting with Messi. Messi couldn't see. And Joseph goes up like in front of him, puts the seat down. So like even just small things like that, it just shows like how well they're getting together. And then even on the pitch, like I've you see that they 
are starting to know each other so well like on that one goal where where um the the pass from joseph to to messi on that on the volley was just insane because joseph was right in the middle uh, right outside the six yard box and he sees that you know the pass is going to come in but as soon as he looks to the left he knows messi's going to make that run so he gets comes back and makes space for messi so like so those are things that maybe another center forward would have stayed right in that spot and just taken the shot themselves but they have that connection that they kind of know starting to know each other and know what runs they're going to make what where to where to be for each play so I think it's that and also just a diff there's different play styles like Campana plays so much more so much differently than than Joseph does I think Campana's more of like a really like pure nine uh waiting for the opportunity like uh, you know you got to put the ball here he'll header he'll be right there for a rebound that type of thing whereas Joseph seems to be like more dynamic I see him running everywhere he's coming down sometimes to help in the mid he's he it's just a more of a dynamic player and I think that that's kind of what he's looking for right now uh in this attack uh, in the in the tactics that he's using right now for the team but I will say that in this um, press conference, Tata did kind of leave the door open and, and he even acknowledged, he says, yeah, I know that Campana's getting a lot less minutes, but we're going to continue to work with him, see what happens in practice. But right now we're, we're going with Joseph. So uh, Campana, I think, is a professional uh, and he's going to keep working hard and he'll be ready for whenever they, they put him in. So he's definitely going to keep getting his minutes. Just right now, for sure, I think it's Joseph. And there, there's a couple things to add there. One, Campana has to stay on the roster because you know, obviously with what they've done with the U22s, which we're going to talk about next, his his role and his designation is is extremely important for Miami to be able to build a roster the way that they have with Farias, with Aviles and Diego Gomez. And also with Campana, as you talk about his play style, Gian, he found most of his success alongside Gonzalo Higuain. That is 100% truth. And a lot of that is because with Campana on the field, you could just sling it up to him and use him as a hold-up play kind of striker, find Higuain who's dropped a little bit under you, and then you build the play through there. That's That was under Phil Neville. That style of play is not happening under Tata Martino. This team is trying to build from the back, build from the midfield, use the spine, and actually progress the ball like a football team should, other than just playing long balls and playing this physicality-style yeah. MLS kind of thing, where Campana was really good at, because I think that Campana showed so much in his time i think back to right before the the san jose game last year where he unfortunately got injured how well he was playing going into that match and we are finally getting to see him and higuain like play alongside each other and it was just going so well and calendar was able to hit him up balls and the hold up play everything was going so well and that's how miami built their transitional offense and now it's very very different so campana has to find a way to adapt to the way mm -hmm. that miami and tata martino want to play and I think with Messi on the field, all of that changes and you're not going to see that style of play from Miami anymore. You don't see Drake hitting those long balls anymore. It, it happens every now and then when he, when, you know, when he's in a scram and he's getting pressured and he's got to launch it up the field. But I've even seen, I want you guys to look at this too in the next match, watch Tata Martino on the sideline when Drake has the ball. He is pointing where he wants the ball to go. He is yelling at Drake where he wants the ball to go. And if he doesn't do it, Tata Martino's only focus is to look at Drake and tell him exactly what he wanted. So I think that it's going to, well, one, I think Drake's game is going to be elevated completely under Tata Martino because he's not been a great distributor. He's been a great shot stopper, but he's not been a great distributor. And I think this is going to help, but the, the, the stylistic change that is coming with inter Miami and Tata Martino doesn't fit Campana right now because of 
what they're trying to do. With Lionel Messi on the field, you have to be more of a tactical team rather than long ball and hold up kind of team, which a lot of MLS teams tend to be just because of the, the quality of the league. But Miami are simply just headed in a very different direction. So there's a lot to unpack there with Campana and Joseph. We'll see how that plays out. And let's continue a little bit more with the tactics. Uh, we, we saw the debuts of Jordi Alba and Diego Gomez. Jordi Alba, we can talk about him a ton, but he kind of just speaks for himself. He's going to be the starting left back. Noah Allen, unfortunately, going to lose his place. But for the most part, he's learning under one of the best left backs in world football, which is going to be great for him in his career. We'll touch on that maybe in another episode. But Diego Gomez also got his debut. And these U22s are going to start rolling in. Tomas Aviles left racing club. Facundo Farias a couple weeks ago fully announced. They're probably getting ready to start training here in South Florida. I believe Facundo already has. What do you make of what we saw from Diego Gomez? Uh, I'll start with you, Ashley. And do you think that the insertion of these high-profile young South Americans are going to change even more so what I just talked about, the stylistic approach that Tata Martino will have with Inter-Miami? Yeah, well, I mean, with Gomez, you saw immediately the energy, you know, the hunger. Um, a little, a couple of them, I think he was, uh, you know, maybe a step too short, a step too late. He was adjusting, maybe um, a little nervous, but by the towards the end of the game, he was really starting to come into it. You started to see the passes, you started to see the vision of, um, you know, just trying to take the game to the next level, not letting the game come to you, but attacking the game which is obviously something that is part of, I think, Tata Martinez's overall uh, philosophy a lot more than Phil, which was kind of sit back and let the game happen. Um, and so, yeah, to your point, I think with, you know, we're not going to see it right away because the players have to adapt, except for Jordi Alba. He's going to immediately start left back. I think Noah Allen did a very good job after Ian Frey was hurt um, to to hold his own the best he could, in my opinion. Um, but obviously Jordi Alba is, is leagues and leagues above and he will get the starting position in terms of our midfield. I don't know once everyone is here, what the attacking third is going to look like, what the, you know, what our, our eight and nine or excuse me, our seven or six, seven, eight is going to look like it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm really excited to see, you know, real competition. I think it's going to be hard to take Benjamin Kramaski out because he's been putting a real shift in and, you know, the Argentinian, connection um but yeah i think it, it'll it'll be really interesting to see who gets to start who's going to be maybe a 60 to 70 minute consistent uh addition how the uh attacking and the just overall aggressiveness is going to continue gian is there anything in the midfield that you think needs to be improved upon uh you know you've seen Busquets and Arroyo and this like double pivot kind of thing being those like central those strong solid central defensive midfielders Kromeshki being the one that kind of pushes the tempo a little bit but adding Diego Gomez into that who himself likes to get forward does he improve upon Benjamin Kromeshki does he replace Benjamin Kromeshki does he replace Dixon Arroyo at times like where does he fit in and how does he improve Tata's midfield I think it's a tough question because before Busquets' arrival in the midfield, I would have said like there's so much improvement in the midfield, right? But it's like just like each one, like Bus Messi just improved 
the 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 top side of our, our team right the the, the offense Bus you inserted Busquets and everybody in the midfield stepped up you insert Jordi Alba everybody on the like our defense looks amazing our midfield looks really good you know Kremaski is such a vital part of the offense now it's crazy how he's like not only is he doing a good job of helping you know from the midfield but it's just facilitating and putting balls like he's such a vital part so like I don't know how you take out Kremaski. I think that's going to be really tough. But then on the other end, Arroyo has elevated his game tremendously since Busquets has gone there. And I feel like he he understands everywhere that he needs to be. For like, I just noticed like when when he needs to drop back and and there's especially with the way Tata's playing now, where he's got Noah Allen and Yedlin playing way high up, like you know, almost like at the top almost like f forward sometimes like they're playing on the wing sometimes you've got crits off and you've got miller by themselves and arroyo knows exactly when he needs to drop back and he sometimes makes a line of three he knows when he has to step up he knows how to he knows how to play well with busquets like they're starting to understand each other so i think that you know with gomez i think that gomez is a really good player i think that in this first game that he came in he looked nervous he looked kind of out of place because he was trying to figure things out he didn't have a lot of practices under his belt um so i think that right now it's too early to insert him it i think that that's just gonna what we'll see what he does but i think that he's going to kind of ride with this team at least through the rest of the tournament the way it is because it's working perfectly i mean you don't want to mess with something that seems like such a well-oiled machine and if he comes in, I, I I would feel like it would be maybe for Arroyo. I, I, Kremaski's just bringing too much right now to the offense. I, I don't think you mess with that maybe for Arroyo, but I do think he starts to bring him in like incre incrementally, like a few minutes here, a few minutes there, and he'll, he'll start to toy with that. The tough part is when we get back, you know, Gregory and, you know, John oh, Mota, like that's going to be tough right there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, Gian, I'm not going to lie. I disagree with you. Yeah, uh, I okay. think that I think that Gomez should come on for Kermeski. Yeah, and I okay. think that Kermeski, especially in this Orlando match, at times wasn't able to carry the load that Dixon and Sergio presented him with because Sergio and Dixon were not moving forward at all, really. There were times where they mm -hmm. stayed back and controlled it from there. And Kermeski had to be the guy to connect that, you know, defensive midfield to the attack. And I think he was out of position at times. I think there were times where when he was on the ball, um, he got a little bit caught up. And I, I think that if you have, I'm not even, he's not even that much more experienced Diego Gomez, but if you have a more experienced player in that role and you saw what he did, you know, the, the pressure, the intensity that he put out, having a guy like that to be the connector who wants to get forward. Of course, Kromeshki does too. I think it'll benefit Miami a little bit more and have Benja, you know, come on if needed later on for addiction to Royal, if they're down a goal or something like that. I think that's how I kind of see it um, mm. and how it may go, but we'll see. It's up to interpretation. It's really only up to Tata's, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and, and it might even start as early as this Dallas game on, on Sunday. Uh, the round of 16 will kick off on Sunday for Inter Miami. They'll be playing in Frisco against FC Dallas, a tougher opponent. That is for sure. Uh, than what we've seen from Orlando, Atlanta, and Cruz Azul. Guys, what do we make of this round of 16 matchup? And, and can Miami, or does Miami really have a chance uh, to, to advance farther than any other team in this tournament to, to win this whole thing? 
Well, I, I think you're seeing, so I have to say, you're seeing two of the greatest attacking players in the world, Messi and Jesus Ferreira. So it's going <laughs> to be a real battle. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I, it's going to, I think it's definitely going to be the, the first uh, real, real test. I think Orlando was an emotional test. Yeah. I think that Dallas is going to be one, it's going to be on the road. I don't really think that affects Messi, but it could affect maybe the younger players on the pitch. Um, and quality it's going to be a real test of quality i think and so um i don't know i i'll let i'll let Gian go a little bit more into the details of the predictions i think i i think miami's going to win i think it will be a difficult game um but it's it's going to be it's certainly going to be one to watch the cards are completely different than they've been the last three games for sure yeah, I, I think it's going to, I agree with Ashley, it's definitely going to be maybe the first test for real because we've kind of been like rolling over our opponents, right? So it's going to be the first maybe test of like adversity. Again, it's on the road, not in front of our our, our fans. So I don't, I agree too, actually, I don't think that's going to phase Messi like at all, but but I, I, I do think that we've definitely got what it takes to, 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 to win and I'm feeling pretty confident about the tournament as a, as a whole, right? And just this tournament being the springboard to the last uh, 12 games of the season. So I'm excited for, for the game. I, I'm hoping we don't have to worry about thunderstorms over there in, in Dallas. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting game. And it, it's, it's a, a pretty quick uh, turnaround, too. So, you know, I know we're getting some practices in. I, I know um, we'll see what adjustments we make uh, to what you had said Austin, I don't know if we'll see Diego Gomez maybe inserted sooner rather than later, but uh, it'd be interesting to see what adjustments. I know that 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 that's kind of been using the kind of the same tactics, same team. Um, and then also just w one more thing. I know that now, you know, as, as we've been playing more games, they've been able to study us more, right? So let's see if Dallas is able to make uh, any adjustments. So it'd be interesting. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Can Messi do it on a hot night in Frisco, Texas? That is the question that will be answered on Sunday. For everybody here at Five Reasons Sports and Messi and Co., Ashley, Gian, and myself, make sure you stay tuned to all of our content in English and in Spanish. We will have all of the coverage for you uh, of the Round of 16 Leagues Cup match for Inter-Miami going against FC Dallas again in Frisco. Will Messi be able to do it? Find out more. We will see you guys next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.